and I'm glad for our leadership that took over the, the services while we are away. Thankful for our pastors and uh, thankful for all of our ministers and leaders. If you have your Bibles with you, let's go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1, verse number 2, if you would stand in honor of the Word of God. Uh, we have about 44 people coming from the United States, part of the Indiana Bible College and about 11 preachers from the 15th for that one week. And so we want to invite you to be a part of what we're going to host them to do here. Uh, the concert's going to be on the Friday night. That would be a great opportunity to invite somebody. Uh, tell them it's not church. Nobody's going to preach to them. Well, well, not for very long anyway. I mean, not, not for 45 minutes. But uh, it'll be a great opportunity to invite somebody for a concert. These are some accomplished musicians and singers in the Indiana Bible College. It's going to be blessing us and ministering to us. Amen. Praise God. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. So apparently there's something that we are not to be conformed to. There's something we are not to follow. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. One more passage, one verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith, not by by sight. Amen. We walk by faith and not by sight. I want to continue on this series of tension theology. We've been on this for some time now, and I just can't seem to get away from it. The more we look into it, the more there is to talk about. Amen. And I know our ministers did so well last week, the last couple of weeks. And so I want to talk to you about walking by knowledge or the will of God or by faith. The tension of walking by the will of God or by faith? Amen. Let us pray and ask the Lord to bless us. Father, we thank you for the ministry, Lord, of your handmaiden, the ministry of this uh, missions team, and also our young people, the, our youth department. Lord God, for leading us in worship and taking this service. Father, once again, we ask you that you would speak to us, that you would anoint your servant, anoint your people, that we may hearken to your voice that we may receive from your word, Lord God, so let the living word preach the written word. Speak to our hearts and minds. Let it transform us and bring us closer to you, Lord God, and lead us unto maturity and to perfection for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you clap your hands and thank the Lord one more time for what he has done. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. It is also part of our custom that at the end of the preaching, we have an altar call that we invite people to come to the front and pray in response to the Word of God. Amen. This tension theology has been a, a powerful series, a series that I've enjoyed. Anybody else enjoyed the series, Tension Theology? Um, and of course, our, our daughter works, I mean, our, our connect groups are on a... Uh, bit of a break during the school holidays, and we'll be starting up again in a couple of weeks. But uh, as humans, this, this idea of a tension between two opposing views is of the highest importance. 
Because as humans, we can have a tendency to cling to one extreme over the other. Can I just get some more monitor if I can, please? Uh, it takes maturity to hold opposing views in tension. A and we would rather uh, hold to the one uh, to the exclusion of the other. But we have found often with life and often in the scriptures that, that many ideas, although they seem like opposites at first, they are not mutually exclusive. In other words, one doesn't cancel out the other. But they are often held in tension like the two sides of a rope or a cable that are held together and yet it can still maintain. One of the tensions I often loved hearing from my bishop, our late bishop, Brother Slack, he would often say this. He would say, we, are, we ought to live for today, but we ought to prepare to be around for 100 years. Amen. Uh, you know, as young people, we like that first bit. We just want to live for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about, you know, my retirement. Don't worry about next year. I just want to live for today. Jesus has given me today, and tomorrow is in his hands. So I'm not going to worry about paying my bills. I'm not going to pay the rent. I, I think some of you, if you knew Jesus was coming back in two months' time, you wouldn't be paying your rent. Thank you for your honesty, some of you. Amen. But we are to live for today. In other words, this, these two ideas can be held in tension. We are to live for today in the sense that we, we have this uh, enjoying the presence of the now, of what God has given us today. We can enjoy his presence. We can enjoy the gifts of today, and we can be content. But at the same time, we have to prepare ourselves that we would be around for 100 years. We need to plan our funerals. If uh, you haven't already done so, you need to do that. You think, well, I'm not going to die for another 50 years. Well, I'm sorry, you don't know that. Amen. You need to prepare and to plan. So we live for today, yet we plan for the next hundred years. And, and there are so many other ideas in the Bible uh, that are held in tension. And one of those ideas, of course, is that we walk according to the knowledge of the will of God in many aspects of our lives, and yet we are still called to walk by faith into the unknown. Amen. These, again, seem like two opposing views. We pray and we seek the will of God. We want to know what the will of God is for my life. We want to know what God wants us uh, to be doing, who he wants us to marry, what, what ministry we are to be involved in, what job we're to take, what course should we choose. Uh, we want to know the will of God because we don't want to miss out on what God has for us. Amen. But at the same time, we have to have this idea uh, that we are gifted this one life that he has given to us. Just one life, not two, not three. You've only got one life here today. And he has given you this wonderful gift of being able to choose what to decide with your life. And I can hear some of you saying, well, I would rather that God just chooses for me. You know, I just get up in the morning and he tells me what to wear, which shoes to wear for work, and what... Uh, you know, what to eat, and, and we would rather that God would choose for us, but, but let me remind you that if God chose everything for you, then it would not really be living, would it? If God chose 
and decided for every single thing in our lives, then it would not really be living. It's just like, again, being a robot. It's the, the puppet master, as it were, that decides what we're going to choose and what we're going to do. But understand me here today that God has given us this wonderful gift so that we can choose what we are to do and what, how we are to live. Now, now, again, I need to make this very clear that, that God has given to us the will of God when it comes to right and wrong. Amen. When it comes to morality... When it comes to doing what is right and what is evil, God has clearly declared it in his word, and he has also spoken to us in our conscience. But what about not the right and wrong, but what about the right and left of our lives? Okay? I know that it's wrong to steal. I know that it's wrong to murder. But, but what shall I choose? Who shall I marry? Or, or, or where, what, what course should I do? What job shall I take? Shall I move cities and go to another city because I've got a, a promotion there? Or what shall I do? And often in life, God uh, will not speak to us about what's left, what's left or right, what to choose, although he will speak to us very clearly about what is right and wrong. And so we have to hold this idea in tension, that God will reveal his will to us, but at the same time we are called to walk in the mysteries of the unknown. Amen. The Bible says to us in Deuteronomy 29 and 29 that the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. I want to remind you here today that when it comes to right living, when it comes to being saved and to being born again, God has revealed it very clearly on what we ought to do. But let me remind you also at the same time that when it comes to the choices in life, God said it's your choice. You choose. I've given you a brain. I've given you wisdom. I've given you my Bible, my word. And it's up to you to choose your own adventure. Amen. I don't know about you. Some of you people, I remember back in the 80s, I had, we used to have those books when we were kids. It's called Choose Your Own Adventure Books. Anybody ever read those? I just, you know, you read a story and then it gives you a choice of where to take the story. You can choose if you want to go to this road, you go turn to page 65. If you want to go and follow somebody else, you go to page 45. And, and it's like you choose the end of the story. And I thought it was so exciting when I came to find out, well, there's really only a couple of choices. You know, there's not a myriad of choices that you can follow, uh, but it made it so exciting. And I, I've come to remind you here today that God has given gifted to you. He's not going to show you every single thing that you've got to decide what job to choose, whether to put on the gray suit or the navy blue suit, whether to put on the right matching socks or not. But what God is saying is you can choose your life. You can decide what you want to do, provided that it fits in with the word of God and it gives glory to your God. Amen. Praise God. Because it would just simply be a miserable life if somebody had to choose for us. You're not really living. Or, or, or you know, we, we often pray, 
Oh, God, you know, protect me from, you know, from, every, from, me, from stubbing my toe against the corner of the foot of the bed. Protect me from every kind of accident, from any kind of harm. And, and I mean, just, just imagine that for a little bit. Imagine your life that God has an angel that would protect you from any kind of scratch, any kind of harm, that, that you're just walking blindly knowing that no matter what you do, I'm just going to walk off the edge of this stage and I'm not going to care because I know an angel's going to hold my feet and I'm going to be walking on the cloud. Well, think about that for a moment. If life was like that, then again, it wouldn't really be living. You're not really free because you are insulated and protected, cotton-wooled by the hand of God, and you are not truly free to live your life. Amen. This is one of the greatest gifts, if not the greatest gift, that God has given to humanity is that you have the power to determine your destiny. You have the ability to choose that you can follow a life of blessing with God. You have the opportunity to walk in his glory and in his blessedness. And can I tell you, it is the best life of all. Let me remind you that it is the greatest life of joy and fulfillment when you walk with God. But can I also tell you and remind you that if you want to walk away from his grace, if you want to turn your back on this God, you have the ability to do that and God will not stop you. He will not keep you. If you want to walk your life right into hell, God will stand by and watch you walk right out of his life and out of his grace because that is the power that God has given mankind to choose. Oh, but I wish somebody in here would decide that you would choose like it says to the great prophet choose you this day whom you will serve as from me and my house hallelujah hallelujah let me talk to somebody here today he will not stop you if you want to put that cigarette if you want to put that alcohol in your system if you want to smoke it snort it drink it do whatever you want god is not going to stop you but hear me today god is still god he's still real he still reigns and if you decide, I want to know you, I want to walk in your ways, I'm telling you God will step in and say, come on, my son, come on, my daughter, I've got a blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we are to walk the unknown. We're not guaranteed of what's going to turn it out tomorrow. Amen. When, when we're sitting on that plane, I don't know. Hey, you've been on those, those long flights, 14 hours on that plane. I'm telling you, that will try anybody's faith. I was at 14 hours. I'm starting to get claustrophobic. I'm thinking, what, what's going to happen? I, I finally get to sleep. I get four hours sleep. I think, oh, this is amazing. I slept for four hours sitting up. When I come to realize, hang on, hang on a minute, I've got another eight hours to go on this horrible flight. Amen. And when the plane starts beginning to get some turbulence and the thing starts shaking and you wake out of sleep from the turbulence, you think, oh my goodness, I'm in the middle. I'm 30,000 feet in the air in this big clunky metal. God, how is this staying up? It ought to be going down. I'm telling you, I start talking to Jesus real fast. But let me remind you, he will not keep you from 
every harm and every danger and yet yes we're even going to face death at one time in our lives but one thing I can promise you is that no matter where you are whether you are in the depth of the valley God is with you God will help you he will strengthen you he will empower you you think oh that's a horrible thought I can't imagine being in my sick bed let me tell you no matter how bad it is it will never keep God from your presence he'll be right beside you glory to God hallelujah but even in turbulence God is there even when you're you're locked up in that 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 tube full of people every seat is taken you can't lie down they don't even lie let you lie down on the floor anymore I remember in the 80s, I used to catch a plane in the 80s when I was young. They could, you could lie down on the floor. People used to be able to smoke on the plane. Do you remember that? Thank God they cut that out. But I'm telling you, regardless of how hard you think the future may be, you might be thinking, God, I don't know if I can handle it. Let me remind you, if you put your trust in him, like we heard this young lady talk about, he will give you the power. You think, well, I, I, don't, I just don't have the courage, Pastor. You don't know me. I'm a little scaredy cat. I'm scared. No, you put your trust in God, and he will give you the courage. Something will, get, will start to well up inside of you. Where you thought you had no ability and no courage, let me tell you, you let the Spirit of God fill you. He said the Bible says that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. That means when you got God on the inside of you, it doesn't matter what you got to face. It doesn't matter what the bank says and what the doctor says and what your landlord says. If you are with God, you got the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. He'll give you the power. He will give you the wherewithal. And so you got to remember that this life, the one side of the tension is that we walk by faith and not by sight. That means that we don't always know all the answers to what tomorrow's problems are going to be about. That means we don't know how it's going to turn out. When God spoke to Abraham, he simply said, get out from your country, from your father's house, and from your kindred, and, and start to walk. He didn't, tell, he didn't give him Google Maps and say, Here, here's where you got to go at, at exactly three hours and 22 minutes on this day. You're going to land here. He didn't. He said, just simply step out. And as you begin to walk, then my will, my direction, my purpose will begin to be unfolded in your life. Too many people are waiting on the sidelines and say, well, I'm still waiting for God to tell me where to go, to tell me what to do. He's already going to tell you to step out from where you are and as you begin to take a step God will reveal step by step the Bible says the steps of a good man he didn't say the, the path and the end destination are already ordered of God he said the steps of a good man and a good woman are ordered of the Lord hallelujah, hallelujah. 
You may only have one step. The only revelation you got from God is just the, the next step. You say, well, I want to see what's down the corner, down the road. I want to see all of the map. I want to see where it's all figured out. I'm afraid that's not going to happen because you still have your life to live. And one of the exciting things about living this life is I can choose. I could have chosen this morning to wear a pink suit and wear a yellow tie and look all terrible. But that's my choice. And you think, oh, pastor's gone to Paris now. He thinks he's all that. He walked down the Champs-Elysees and he saw Louis Vuitton and he saw all Gucci and all of that. I'm sorry, but you can't buy style. You might have all the money in the world, but you can't buy style. You've got, oh, I wish somebody would hear what I'm saying. <laughs> Glory to God. We are free creatures to choose. So, well, Pastor, I want to know what course to do. I want to know who to marry. We're going to have a little bit of a Bible study today. I've got 15 minutes. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing. There it is. You want to know the will of God for your life? Here it is, not willing that any should perish. That's the will of God. The will of God for you is that you do not perish, you don't miss out on heaven going, that you don't spend an eternity in hell for which there is no getting out. Let's just think about that for a moment. There's no getting out of hell. Once you're in there, it's done. I'm sorry, that, that's not my doctrine, that's the Bible. God does not want anyone to go to hell. His will is that none should perish. But watch this. The rest of that verse says this. But that all should come to repentance. You see that? God has a will for your life. But it says all should come. That should means that it's still your choice. That means you are still responsible for your life. God does not will anybody, but he cannot override your will. He can't come into your life and hijack your choice and say, this is what you're going to do. He's not going to live your life for you. Amen. It is still up to you. God does not want anyone to perish. And I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I've come to remind you that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And what you do on this side of heaven and hell will determine where you will end up. And once you die, that's too late. You'll be too late to decide when I'm going to follow God. No, you've got to decide right now. And could it be that God sent me here today and he brought you here today to tell you that God doesn't want you to be lost, but he wants you to be saved. And you don't know when you're going to die. We don't know when our time's up. The Bible says that our life is but a vapor. It's there one moment and it's gone the next. And we have only only today we have a right now the Bible says today is the day of salvation and I've come to tell you you've got to make up your mind you can decide right now God is not going to decide for you but you've got to choose for yourself 
You've got to choose for yourself. He doesn't want anyone to perish. But I'm afraid as much as God wills, it is still subject to what you and I decide. This is the greatest gift of all. This is the, this is the greatest expression of love. It's the, the gift for you to choose. Just like when you have a, a relationship with somebody, your husband and your wife. It, it, you know, you can lock up your wife, put a gun in her head, chain her to the kitchen sink. Say, you love me, right? <laughs> or you give the choice, and when they willingly choose to say, no, I, I love you. I want to be with you. That is true love. Hallelujah. So how do we know the will of God for our lives? I want to give you some things that are really quickly. Number one, God's word. God's given us his word, the Bible. And I'm not meaning the Bible is some kind of a cosmic lottery machine that we use, you know, put some money in there and pull the lever and say, come on, jackpot, give me something. <laughs> yeah, you, you remember the classic story of the, the flip and point method of the Bible? And don't act like you've never done this. When you've been in a situation you needed to hear from God, you do the flip and point. You kind of just, you get your Bible and just eyes closed in Jesus' name wherever it opens. And if it's a brand new Bible, it doesn't open anywhere. It just kind of stays closed. So you just kind of open it and you flip and point. God, is this what you're trying to tell me? Y'all remember that? Well, there was this guy, one story, one guy who, who did that while Wondering what to do with his life, he flipped the Bible open and pointed to Matthew 27 and 5. And he read, Judas went and hanged himself. <laughs> he says, okay, this shot, I must have turned the wrong page. Let me flip it again. So he flipped it again, pointed, and this time landing on Luke 10, 37. It says, go and do likewise. By now, he starts sweating. He says, is this really you, God? Must be some kind of mistake. Let me try again. He tried flipping it a third time, and he arrived at John 13 and 27. It says, what you do, do quickly. We might laugh at the absurdity of such a method of trying to determine God's will, yet we are often guilty of treating the Bible in the same way. Let me, the Bible is not some kind of Christian Ouija board. And then we say, God, we're, we're, we, we've got to get the Bible in here and in here. We have to know what the Word of God says. We've got to know what his word declares. He's given us this holy writ. It can be on your phones, on your iPads, on your computer, or the old-fashioned book. There is no excuse why we can't get the Bible in our hearts. It will lead us line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not. Glory to God. Well, that, that's all good, Pastor. I, I know between right and, and wrong, but I'm not so sure about the right and left. Some of those uh, uh, gray areas in life. There are some matters that are not so clear. Many areas that don't seem to be addressed by the clear commands of God's word. That's why you need to do Bible study. 
Man, why? I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it talks about a uh, Winfield and, and Dunhill Blues. <laughs> I, I was a smoker since the age of 13. I came to this church at 19 years old. Yeah, just smoke. I'd be out smoking and I said, well, I ain't got nothing, no problem. I can't see. There's no cigarettes in the Bible. And again, I'm not, I'm not condemning anybody. Please don't get me wrong. This is my story, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> I, was, I was a few months in the Lord. I, after church, I'd go up to the front, have a, you know, light up. God, oh, what a great service. <sighs> awesome. And I was, man, I was reading the Bible every day. There's nothing in the Bible about cigarettes. Nothing in the Bible about chocolates either. And then one day I was, I was in a men's camp and God convicted me with this message. Somebody preached a message from that text where the Bible says my body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. He says your actual body, not your pretend body, but your actual physical body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so, my goodness, if I, I've got the Holy Ghost inside of me, I've got to treat this temple well. And that moment, God convicted me about my lifestyle and what I was doing. And this is me, okay? I'm not condemning anybody. And so right at that moment, I knew, I said, this is it. I, I've got to stop. Because even though that wasn't a specific word about a smoke and about cigarettes, but yet it was a word to, from God to me to reveal something specific in my life. That's why it is so important to know the Bible, to know God's word. The Bible. Bible says he has preserved his word. That means he's protected it over millennia of time, over the thousands of years. He has ensured that this book is protected. And let me, can I remind you here today, this is still the best selling book in all of history. It still changes the lives of men. It can still take you, as we heard earlier, from the street corner to the amen corner. It can take somebody that was messed up on drugs and out alcohol and sin and can bring them into the house of God and turn their life around. Let me remind you this book. You got to get it in your heart. You got to get it in your mind. And God helped me from that day on that I wouldn't have to be bound by that, that terrible habit. Amen. But, but, uh, but chocolates is still another issue. Okay? I'm still working through chocolates. I'm still working through sweets. Praise God. But you got to know the word. How do I know the will of God? It's in his word. God's word reveals his will. Time and again, we read it in scripture. And of course, again, there's not all the specific things. But there are a lot of things. Proverbs 28, 22 tells us don't try to get rich quick. Matthew 6 and 20 tells us don't put your treasures in heaven. Well, put your treasures in heaven, rather. Romans 12 and 1, we just read, don't follow the crowd. Don't be conformed to the world. Romans 13 and 1, be subject to authorities. Philippians 4 and 8, choose the best. Colossians 3.23, work for God, not for your boss. 1 Corinthians 4 and 2, be faithful. First, you know, again, you wake up, oh, shall, shall I go to church this morning? I don't know, you know, uh, Raiders are going to lose, so I don't know, maybe I'll just stay in and let me just sleep in, you know. How shall I know the will of God for me this morning? Shall I? Yes, it says be faithful. That means every time. That means there is no Sunday where you ought to not be in the house of God. Be faithful. Don't be a slave. Don't be enslaved. 1 Corinthians 6 and 12. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Treat your body as God's temple, as I said. 1 Corinthians 10 and 31. Glorify God in everything. Galatians 5, 1 to 6. Live by grace, not legalism. 
Ephesians 4.27, uh, don't give Satan opportunity. Ephesians 4.29, use your tongue to edify, not speak bad things. Philippians 2.3-4, seek the good of others. 1 Thessalonians 4, work hard. Amen. You want to know what the will of God is? It's in the Word. So much even of our gray areas in life can be found in God's Word. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 says that knowing this, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. That's a key verse, brothers and sisters. It says no verse of Scripture, no prophecy in the Bible is of private or personal interpretation. That means that the Bible doesn't have a myriad of interpretations. There's only one interpretation. That means... Five of us can't sit around and say, well, this is what it means to me, and this is what it means to me, that all are different. That's why when the Bible talks about baptism, there's only one baptism. There's only one way to baptize. There's, you know, well, well I, I think I'll baptize this way. I think I'll just, I'll, I'll just, you know, get a spray gun and baptize you with a spray. And that's, no, there's only one interpretation the Bible says. The application is one. Baptism is very simply to, to be submerged, to be plunged, or be buried in water. And the Bible tells us very clearly that baptism is essential for salvation. That if you want to go to heaven, if you want to be with Jesus for eternity and have your sins washed away, you have to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for, for what? For the remission or the removal or the forgiveness of your sins. Amen. It's not, well, you know, baptism to me means something else. It means staying in bed and having my blanket baptize my head. Uh, you know, you can't have a myriad of interpretations. There's only one interpretation. The Bible says there is one baptism. Come on, somebody. And I may be talking to someone right now. That if you've never had your sins washed away, you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you've never had your sins removed, and you're not going to go to heaven. But the Bible says in Mark 16 and 16, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Hallelujah. In other words, if you don't get baptized in Jesus' name, you are not saved. You are not going to go to heaven. But I got some good news here today. We've spent some money. We've done some time. We put a baptistry together that's got heated water. It's clean. That means other people's germs are not going to get on your skin. But it's warm. It's clean. It's filtered every day. And we've got some baptism gowns that you can put on even if you didn't bring your change today. And I want to urge somebody for you to be baptized <laughs> hallelujah before you leave this house you want to know the will of God for you that's it right there to be baptized in Jesus name so that you can be born again of the water and then the Bible says you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that means you will be baptized also of the Holy Ghost. That means the Spirit of God will come into your spirit. Amen. And, and again, here, here's a misconception. Don't, don't get it twisted now. That when the Spirit of God comes inside of you, He will not possess you. 
He's not going to take control of your limbs like you become some kind of robot, like, like the ghost in the shell. Uh, he won't take control of your mouth and your tongue. No, he fills your spirit. But you are still a free individual creature with the power to choose what you will in your life. But hear me, when his spirit comes into your spirit and he brings your life back to resurrection life, amen, you will begin to speak in tongues, a language that you've never spoken. That's what happened to them in the book of Acts. When they got the Holy Ghost, they spoke in tongues, which was the revelation. It spoke to them, revealed to them that they got the Holy Ghost. Oh, I wish somebody would remember what it was like when you first received this wonderful gift. I tell you, it blew my mind. I couldn't stop speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. Oh, my Lord. Have mercy. I, I got to close, but let me get down to where you live. I, I, when I first got the Holy Ghost, I was speaking in tongues so much that I couldn't even speak English anymore. I, I know it's a bit of an overreaction to the Holy Ghost, but you got to understand the life that I was living. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't always live for God. Like after I was in church for a couple of months, I backslid because I prayed this, the silliest prayer that you could ever make as a young Christian who's only been in church for a couple of months. And I hadn't even been baptized yet. I would not get baptized. Uh, Sister uh, um, Martha, <laughs> I, I'm a little bit jet lagged, okay? <laughs> I've been going to bed at 9 in the morning, 9 at night, and getting up at, at 4 in the morning. And, and, and you know, my, my stepdad, he's like, well, that's what I do every day. That's... <laughs> I was only a few months ago, I wouldn't get baptized because I was too shy. I was too embarrassed. Oh, people didn't look at me, and I didn't want to get in the water. And then I ended up backsliding because I prayed this prayer. I prayed, I prayed God, give me a girlfriend. <laughs> I thought my life would be just perfect. Start going to church, get a job, go to the gym, and then get a girlfriend. It would have been perfect. And I'm convinced, this is my, again, this is my story, that the devil answered that prayer. Because he brought a girl around who had no desires to live for God. I remember I was 19, okay? That, that was only about 10 years ago. That's, I was 19. Plus a couple of other decades. And, and I, I left the church. I stopped going to church. I said, ah, oh, you know, I tried it. You know, it wasn't for me. I guess it wasn't the will of God. But, you know, good luck to you guys. I told my brother, I said, hey, all the best, man. I I'm going back to the beggarly elements of the world. <laughs> going back to drugs. And, and for a whole year, I went back to doing drugs, living this lifestyle, until I found myself in this drug house. I couldn't sleep for two nights because I was doing so much speed and cocaine. I couldn't sleep. I was trying to sleep. I just couldn't sleep. And, I, and the more I, I smoked, the more I took, uh, the more I was losing my mind. I started hearing voices. I started like, you know, I would listen to, like, Bob Marley, you know. <laughs> and Bob Marley, under the influence, it's like a spiritual thing, honestly. You, you know, th that's what, you know why they have the occult. People go to clairvoyance. People go do Ouija boards, and, and they read tea leaves. They, lead, they cut open an animal and read the liver. You, you know why they do that? Not for power, but for guidance. And this is what I'm talking about today. It's guidance. We want to know what is the will of God for my life. And, and, and so I found myself losing my mind. I was just hearing voices. I was 
I thought I was going to die. Here, here, really, this is what happened to me. I thought I was going to die. My heart was beating so fast, was palpitating, and I couldn't breathe anymore. I was drinking like, like a whole pitcher of water to try and open up my passages because I was just shutting down. My internal organs were shutting down. And for the first time in 12 months, I ran into one of the rooms of the drug house. And I, I went sat beside the bed, and I prayed for the first time. I said, God, if you will have mercy on me, I'm going to live for you for the rest of my life. And immediately, after not being able to sleep for two nights, I OD'd. I overdosed. I thought I, thought I was died. You know, I thought, well, I'm gone. I woke up the next day. It was a Wednesday. I ring up this guy. I ring up Brother Mo. I said, hey, bro, you still going to that church? He said, yeah. I said, listen, bro, I need to get baptized. I think I'm going to die. I still thought I was going to die. And he said, yeah, we got church this Wednesday night. Tonight, come to church. So that night, I went to church. The platform was on that side. They had already moved to this location. The baptistry, again, was on this side. And I can't even remember anything. All I can remember is I was so scared I was going to die. And I said, I need to get baptized. The pastor, I didn't care who was there. They baptized me that night in Jesus' name. I came up out of the water. God refilled me with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. And I've never looked back since. That, that, I was 20 years old. That's when I, but you know what? It took something like, like seeing death in the face for me. I was one of the biggest skeptics. I was one of the biggest cynics. I had so many questions and doubts, but it took something as serious as death. I thought I was going to die. That's why when I get up here and preach, I preach it with all my heart. I'm not joking around with you because I've seen the other side. I've seen what it means to be drugged out. I've seen what it means to lose your mind and have a psychotic episode from all the drugs that I was doing. I've come to tell you there's nothing out in the world. There's nothing but death and misery and hopelessness and emptiness. But if you can choose today, whatever it is, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm telling you, there is no comparison to the joy, the life. Young people, I'm talking to somebody. You don't have to taste the world in order for you to have a testimony. But if you've been brought up in this church, if you were brought up here, it is a testimony that you are here today, that you are living for God. <laughs> Glory to God. I got to stop. And so you can know the will of God. Oh, Pastor, should I marry this guy? Is he in church? No. Well, that's the will of God. It's not the will of God for you to marry. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked. Amen. The yoke is that piece of wood that puts two cows together that they can pull the cart. That's a yoke that, that, that you put around the neck of them. It says don't be unequally yoked. If you had a cow and a mule, they're not equal. You put a cow and a mule, the, the, the yoke's going to be skewed and, and they're not going to be able to pull together. It says, don't be yoked like that unequally with somebody that is not a child of God. Again, that's very easy. Should I marry them? No. Well, what about if there's two guys in church? They're both in church. Which one shall I marry? Ah. Come back Wednesday night. I'll tell you. <laughs> we don't have time for that. It's not about the, the right and wrong. It's about the right and left. Which one? Well, you use the word of God, and you say, here's the criteria for the kind of person that I want to marry. 
that and the Bible tells us what the criteria ought to be. The fruit of the Spirit. Are they treating their family right? How do they speak to their parents? If you see that guy being rude to his parents, when you get married, it's all likelihood that he's going to speak to you exactly the same way. If she's, you know, only in church and yet sits in the back and doesn't want to worship God, doesn't want to live for God, well, guess what? When you get married, she could still have the same attitude. And you'll be going to church by yourself. And so we have the Bible to tell us. You know, the, the, there's no, we don't, I, don't, I don't believe, this is my theology, and you can you know, not believe me, but I don't believe in, in this idea of soulmates. You know, that I have, there's a soulmate for me, that that's my soulmate. Because the soulmate idea says that there is a particular person that God has handpicked for you. Well, if that's the case, then what, it, it just takes one person to not marry their soulmate then that, that person, they're both out of the will of God, and whoever they marry is out of the will of God, and so it, the whole world will collapse. <laughs> you won't find that in the Bible. The only time that God had somebody for someone was, was Adam. And I don't know about you young guys, I don't know, there's none of you wanting to get under the, the, the table and get, get surgery and create a little dolly out of your DNA So, we, we, God gives us a choice. Here's my word, and here's your brain. He gives to us a brain. It's called wisdom. And the Bible says the principal thing to pursue in your life is wisdom. He didn't say, I'm going to choose for you what to wear, the blue or the red, or what ice cream, vanilla or chocolate. No. He says, here's wisdom. Should you be really eating, be really eating ice cream at midnight? Sometimes, when you're jet lagged, when you come back from Europe and like midnight's like two in the afternoon, the left and right, he's given us a word. He's given you wisdom. He said, pursue after wisdom. Thirdly, uh, you see godly counsel. I've got seven of those and I don't have time. You see godly counsel. You seek your leadership, the pastor. You seek your parents' counsel. You know, if you're dating somebody, and you, you tell your, past, your, your parents about them because they have, a, a, an, an, they have an instinct, they have a sense of whether that person is going to be good for you or not. And you've got to trust your parents because they want nothing but the best for you. But oftentimes we choose a life that's destructive. We make decisions that are destructive for ourselves. But, but you need to take heed to godly counsel to your pastor, to your parents. The Bible says to honor your mother and father. It is the first commandment according to Ephesians that has a promise to it. In other words, if you want your life to go well, here it is, young people, you want your life to go well and you want to live a long life going well, honor your mother and father. That means you got to talk nice to them. That means you got to be respectful when you talk to them. That means you, you don't, you know, stick them in a nursing home and call them once a year and say, how you doing? You call them every week. You talk to them and say, how you doing, mom? How you doing, dad? I love you. you got to honor your mother and father. When you do that, I promise you everything. I, I've got a few witnesses here. Can I, get a more, can I get a few more witnesses? Everything will go well with you if you honor mom and dad. And that also means taking heed to what they say. 
Now, again, I've got to qualify that because I know sometimes there's dysfunctional families. Some parents can be controlling. They're not supposed to decide for you, but you are take, to take uh, their counsel. The Bible says there is safety in the multitude of counselors. Musicians, if you'd like to come. How do I know the will of God? Well, do, here's the, here's the fourth thing. There's the word. There's a pursuit of wisdom. Then there's godly counsel. And number four is to do what you know to do today. You say, well, you know, I, I want to know what's going to be next week. I want to know what next year is. I want to know if I'm going to get to this position or I'm going to get to this role that's, the Bible says the secret things belong to God. That means there are some things that we will never, ever know. But what does belong to us are the stuff that's revealed through his word. And how you know the will of God for your life is do today what you already know to do. Well, how do I know uh, whether, to, to, uh, you know, whether I'm going to be a, a pastor or an evangelist, and I'm talking about ministry now, well, well, what can you do today? I remember as young men, we came into the church, and Brother Slack says, well, you know, who wants to be a preacher? You call to be a preacher? And we said, yes, sir, we think so. We says, hey, well, here's the broom. Go be a preacher with the broom. So I start doing turbo. <laughs> here's the vacuum cleaner. He goes, this pulpit is not for you, young man. Go and find your pulpit out on the street. So every Thursday night, every Saturday morning, even Sundays in between the two services, we would go to Bema Street Campsie and preach our guts out to the poor, innocent victims walking by us. They're, we frightened the living daylights out of those folks, I tell you. You had the likes of him and me. And we didn't bring anybody to church. But I tell you, we had a passion and a zeal. You know why? Because we, we tasted that stuff out there. We know it's real. We know the devil's real. Once we came into the glory of God, there is no comparison. And so all we knew, we didn't have this. Not that we wanted it. But I said, what can we do? What can we do today? And my brother said, come on, let's go to the streets. Let's go and preach. One time we, we fasted and prayed. We had a prayer meeting here. We drove all the way up to the city. We went to, to you know, town hall steps. Remember that? There's about 12 of us guys, 15 of us guys with guitar. And we prayed four people through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost on the steps of town hall. I mean, there were drug addicts and alcoholics and homeless people, but they, they were souls that were hungry. And, and everything else will fall into place. You don't know. You're, you're, maybe you're struggling with, with some questions in your life. God, I need to know. God says, do what you know to do right now. Keep serving me. Keep praying. Keep coming to the house of God. Keep helping somebody else. Abraham, step out from your father's house. Where should I go? I don't know. Take a step and I'll show you. And then, you know, it's like back in, those, in the 80s. Remember those disco lights on the floor in the 80s? They had the squares. Well, as you take one step, then he'll light up another square. Oh, there it is. Then he'll light up another square. Oh, there it is. 
but he won't light up another square until you are willing to take that first step until you are willing to give your life to him he's not going to bargain with you we're standing on the sidelines said no nah, god you got to show me first i'm not moving he says no this is not your game this is mine this is not this is not the, the rules are not made by you it's made by me you take a step and i'll show you come on somebody maybe you're like you're like peter on the edge of the boat he sees jesus walking on water peter says bid me to come but jesus said come on not one other disciple only one disciple ever experienced the miracle of walking on water why maybe because they were too scared to take that step well i don't know how am i going to do it maybe if i put floaties on my feet or maybe you know don't work it out just step out in faith here it is faith and the will of god the known and the unknown both have to be held in tension stand to your feet glory to god i'm sorry for taking so long but i've been away a couple of weeks so bear with me if you want to hear from god if you want to know the will of god for your lives it's first of all taking a step right here to say god i want to follow you i want to hearken to your voice you need the gift of the holy spirit you want to be baptized repent of your sins that's the first step and God has a world of adventure. Say, come on, we're going to live this together. I'm going to be with you, but you're going to live this adventure. Hallelujah. Would you lift your voices right now in prayer? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, for what you revealed. Lord God, that we may be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I pray today, Lord, that our hearts would be surrendered to you, that we would take a step of faith, that we would not be afraid, but that, Lord, we would step out trusting in you, that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, I want to open this altar today. If there's anybody that wants to seek the Lord, to know his will, or if you need to take a step, I want to challenge you here today to take that step. And you may not have all the answers for next year or for 10 years down the track. But I promise you, if you take a step of faith today, he'll show you where to take tomorrow. Hallelujah. He'll open the doors for you. He'll make a way for you. If you need the Spirit of God, you've not been born again. Of the water of the Spirit, don't delay. But today is the day of salvation. Now is the time that our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Hallelujah. I want to challenge you wherever you are. Call upon his name. Know the will of God for your life today. It's in his hands. It's to come to him. It's to not hold anything back, but it's to give your all to Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This altar is open. Why don't you come? Spend some time with God. Respond to His Word. He'll show you His will one step at a time.